Hello and welcome to episode two of You Down with OVP podcast. This is Mick again. I'm with my co-host James. How's it going, James? It's going well, man. How's it going with you? Pretty good. Drinking a Golden Road Wolf Pup Session IPA. You, you drinking anything right now? Yeah, I went with a, uh, a Tito's uh, martini with a, uh, a blue cheese stuffed olive. Oh, wow. Pretty fancy, right? Yeah, it's pretty classy. It's, it's not quite the same as keeping it light, but in a sense it is because it's low calorie. You know, it's a dry martini, so there's not a lot of vermouth in it. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of an easy way to crank out a few drinks. Nice. So the first thing that we were going to talk about is just talk about the Joey Gallo article that James had mentioned in the first episode. And that was my homework to go and read it. So I did. So I just had a few notes about it. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely a cool guy. You know, he's he's more cerebral than you would think. Like he said, like people think I'm this like beer league softball type of guy just shows up and mashes. But He's got like a very, um, you know, in-depth approach every single at bat. And if you looked at his walk rate, you could probably guess that like this is a guy who, you know, he's not just mashing. Like he knows what he's doing, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, to to be able to hit with power like that and still have the kind of walks that he does, you know, he, he's got to be good at reading what type of pitches he's seeing and, and making deliberate choices. I bet you if Joey Gallo wanted to bat 280 and sacrifice other things, he probably could. And he's almost doing it right now and not sacrificing anything. But I don't think anybody thinks, what's he, batting 279? That's not sustainable. Um, or at least I don't think anybody thinks it is. But you get the sense that if he wanted to, he could change his approach a little bit. He just is trying to find the best version of Joey Gallo, and that's strike you know striking out batting 230 or 240 and mashing you know 55 home runs yep and if you think about it, he says in the article yeah i could go the other way yeah i could switch things up but in i don't know if he said this or i extrapolated this if you think about slugging it takes four singles to equal a home run and that's exactly his thought for us i'm i'm pretty sure he said that but if not he said something similar He's yeah. thinking if he hits a home run, that's more valuable t- for his team. And he said, I'm just thinking I'm just going to smash it. You know, I'm just going to smash a line drive every time. And everybody knows that line drives are like if you hit a line drive, it's got a 600 Babbitt. So that's what he's doing. And that's why he's sort of able to have a pretty decent um, average this year, even though he has, you know, a ton of strikeouts, as always. Yeah, but you know what? He's got a good lineup. Kind of wish they would bat him. What do they bat him fifth? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, wish they'd bat him cleanup. To be honest, I mean, but what can you do? Yeah, there was a um, there's a book. It was called The Book by Tom Tango. He's like this big sabermetrician, you know, analytics guy, and he had a thing about which lineup spots are the most valuable. Did you ever hear that? I haven't. It's pretty interesting. So it goes like this. The most valuable spot in the lineup is number two. And we're and we're seeing that more in baseball nowadays. We're oh. like Aaron Judge will bat number two, Trout will bat number two, yada yada. Right? Yelich bats two. Yeah. Um, the second most valuable is I wanna say it's number four. It's the cleanup hitter. 
Yeah, which is probably traditional thinking, probably put it at one and four, right? Yeah. Originally, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think so. But um, the the next one is the leadoff hitter, and then the three-hole hitter is actually fourth, which is probably pretty surprising to people because people would, usually put your, like, your Chase Utley, your Carlos Beltran, your, like, slick hitting, maybe best hitter in that three-hole spot. Yeah, you know, like a Nomar probably batting three, you know, showing my age. Um, I think that the other thing you would think with three is they might get a chance to get one more at bat, you know, than four. I don't know how many at bats they get more per game, but they must get some, right? You know, I'm sure there's an easy way to look at that, but yes, conventional thinking is they get a few more at bats, you know, than a four hitter or a five hitter. Yeah, over the course of the year, and. I think that Tango points out that this is all pretty a small, kind of a small difference, you know. But um, why four is kind of more valuable than three is because four leads off innings, basically the second inning, more often than the three-hole hitter. And leading off an inning, if you get on, it's really important. And if you're the three-hole hitter and there's two outs in front of you, that's a really low percentage uh, situation to like, you know, score runs in that inning. So I think that's basically what it boiled down to, actually. Yeah, I remember when uh, back in the day when Brian Daubach was on the Red Sox and they would bat him eight. And uh, who would have been the manager at the time? I'm going to draw a blank. But um, he called it the second cleanup spot was how he felt about it. Yeah, and, um, and he would rake, you know. So sometimes lineups will throw some guy in eighth too, and he won't be a you know a chump. Yeah. So I just had one more point about Gallo, which was the the whole he he got into what he has improved this year in that article from Fangraphs, and basically he's a he's one of those guys who's a right-handed thrower, left-handed batter, in the mold of like Chase Utley. Um, I have that's a the second time I mentioned Chase Utley. <laughs> These are things that I don't, I'm not that aware of. How common is that? I don't know about a percentage, but, you know, it's pretty common. Uh, what, Christian Yelich, right? So is a Christian, lot of them do it on purpose, right? Uh, yeah, I think so, from a young age. Um, yeah. Because it, it's seen as an advantage because a lefty gets to, gets that strong side platoon, you know, a lefty against a righty is seen as an advantage. Uh, and only like 25% of pitchers in the league are lefties. So you're getting that 75% sort of advantage. You know, I couldn't tell you if Yelich is. I have him, and it's just not something that catches my eye. You know, how, uh, what, what, what somebody's catching and throwing as an outfielder. Yeah. Um, Yelich is one example of somebody doing that. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even, it's, it's hard for me to notice that kind of stuff. Um, Chase Utley, obviously, that's the third time I mentioned him. Um, uh, another big one, Bobby Abreu. No, I'm just named Phillies now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely seen as an advantage, and some of the best hitters in the league are always doing that, sort of a, a righty thrower, lefty batter. And what Gallo was saying was that he felt he was too right-side heavy. Like, he's this guy who's he's buff. In the article, he's like, I'm so strong. (laughs) Uh, uh, But this batting coach said, like, hey, man, you got to emphasize on your back side, which is your left hand when you're a lefty hitter. He, you know, his whole life he's been throwing with his right hand. 
So now he does a lot of like one-handed swings with his left hand, a lot of emphasis on like making sure that his left hand and, you know, his musculature on his left side gets through the zone. And that's just probably one of the reasons why he's he's doing so well and if he were to keep this up, he would be like a first or second round draft pick in in fantasy drafts next year. Yeah, you know, fantasy pros has him high. They have him as a top 16 and he goes as high as 10 with some people for for outfielders so you know he's up he's right there with um who we're gonna talk should should we segue into outfielders yeah sure yeah i think that's a natural segue um and i was gonna ask you about uh one of the guys right next to him but you know he's top 16 outfielders and i personally think that's way too low and my question to you for for outfielders rest of the season because you mentioned your your Phillies, what do you think? What's 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 your deal with Bryce? How do you feel about him? Do you think this is the Bryce Harper that we're going to see the rest of the way? Do you think he's going to do better? Um, I think that not to be hypercritical of him, but you know, I think that 2019, just in general, this might be where Bryce Harper is. You know, home runs aren't as important. And unfortunately, I mean, he's got 16 home runs, which is like. Uh, a 29 home run pace and sure that's good for a normal year this year that's it's not below average but it's not what you expect out of Bryce Harper there are like a ridiculous amount there's like 70 guys on pace for 35 home runs yeah and you know what it's like um, I agree with you and even Bryce Harper at what I would consider and I don't know him that well you know um but even if I said, hey, if he outperforms, you know, he's not going to outperform bat 300. Maybe he will. But, you know, he's going to need to do something more than mash another 20 home runs and, and end up with 36 or 40 to to be the Bryce Harper that people were drafting. True. You already banked this sort of below average start to the season. You're not surprised by the 253 average, but you did expect more than this from power standpoint. In a normal year, 16 home runs, you'd you'd be fine with it. 62 RBIs at the All-Star break, that's good. That is good. But since since home runs are just flying out of the stadium, I think that this is a disappointment, and you got to expect that he will hit more home runs. And so basically what I'm trying to say is you've banked that you know bad part of the season, and he'll be better for you moving forward. Yeah, in terms definitely. of the home runs, I think he will. And the other thing about Bryce Harper is he's uh, he's streaky, right? You know, he could go on a month where he just fucking absolutely mashes and rips the seams off the ball. Yep, I kind of his best month is always April, and I kind of wonder if his violent swing. And I think like violent is like sort of a apt way to describe it. Makes him wear down as the season goes on, so that kind of scares me. If we're talking, I just said he's going to be better, but it does kind of scare me. It's it's sort of like pseudoscience. I'm just like, you know, putting it out there. But with that type of like vicious swing, it wouldn't surprise me if he picks up little knocks from it, you know, little injuries from, you know, like twerking his back and things like that. That makes sense to me. There's a couple articles out there. Uh, I think, you know, might talk about it, but uh that he's been reaching a lot, which probably, I mean, you know, easier said than done, but seems relatively fixable, though, you know. Um, 
but baseball is so mental. So is every sport. Like, how come Ben Simmons can't shoot? Yeah, I hope he can next year. He's not going to shoot next year, Mick. <laughs> ben Simmons is, is, a, is a glorified Rajon Rondo. He's, uh, I'm not a Ben Simmons guy. He does a lot of incredible things, and he's better. He's, he's glorified. He's a better version of Rajon Rondo. But in this league's NBA, I don't know. Uh, I will say one thing about Simmons, though, is that it's not just mental. It's bad form. Like, when he takes free throws, he chicken wings it. Your elbows, like, I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. I'm, like, critiquing Simmons. But, like, when he shoots free throws, his elbow is out. Like, I feel like your elbow should be under the ball. And he's, like, the only player I, I see who looks like that. So, What's with the Sixers shooting coaches? Yeah, I don't know, man. The Celtics shooting coaches are fantastic. They really, maybe, you know, it's such a small sample size. It could be the the talent that they're molding. But, um, you know, Jalen Brown was a Ben Simmons before he came into the league. You have Al Horford started shooting threes. Jalen Brown hits threes. Marcus Smart started to shoot threes better. These are all guys that were Ben Simmons, not Al Horford, but Jalen Brown and, and Smart are two guys that are a Ben Simmons shot, you know, equivalent that have at least made some strides over the course of, you know, their careers. Yeah, it's a good point, and especially since the, the Sixers seem to um, sort of draft those type of guys, those Jalen Brown types where, I mean, not as talented as Jalen Brown, but those types where it's like, if he just learns to shoot, he'll be a good player. Um, and that's a big if, you know. So if, if they're drafting those types of guys, you sure as heck better hope that you have a Celtics or Spurs type track record of turning yeah. these guys into decent shooters. Yeah, um, guys, I hope they get paid, man. Those guys who are teaching them how to shoot, it's it's incredibly valuable. On our quick digression, we, we mentioned it briefly, and I don't know if you looked, I don't know the specs that much, but I just think it's interesting, talking NBA for a second, um, that uh, Russ is traded. He's going to Houston. So tell, So what did Houston have to give up to get him? I think Houston is uh, is like it's a giant win for Houston. So I got to look. It's going to come on the TV in a second. I just saw like the two things that caught my eye. I'm going to get the specs in a second. But one, they got rid of somebody who I think if you're a casual NBA fan, don't realize that every single person hates him um, is C- CP3. Every single team that CP3 has left, he's burned all those bridges. Um, this hmm. is before this. So he like, he was like, I don't want to like, basically like one of them didn't want to play with the other. They're like, I'm not playing with this person. And it's definitely CP three. That's the, the problem. He's done this amazing job of kind of keeping his image is not like a problem player. But, um, I actually read an article before this trade and before the end of the season, when all this drama happened, where, um, somebody was comparing Rajon Rondo's reputation to CP threes. And they were like, every single like player that CP3 has played with hates him. And for the most part, every player that's played with Rondo has been like, this guy is a good person to play with. And yeah, and the, and the public perception of them couldn't be more opposite, pretty much. And they also gave up, because you're going to have to give up more than an aging Chris Paul, um, two first-round picks, but 24 and 2026. 20, that's like... I think that's an absolute steal for the um, for the for Houston. And I guess Oklahoma City they get a star that at least they can market a little bit. But he's old as shit. Yeah, very interesting. 
Um, in in terms of Harper, also, is it okay if I transition back to Harper? Totally. Um, in terms of Harper, I w- was going to say one more thing, which was that um, his um, heat map. If you check out where he's hitting the ball and where he's not, he is excellent when the ball is down and in. And the old like you know cliche is that lefties love it down and in. And pretty much the rest of the zone is blue, except one random red dot uh, outside of the strike zone. Like, uh, you know, outside the strike zone, like in the right in the right-handed batter's box. So I think he's got this, you know, uppercut swing that is really good if you throw him a fastball down and in. Uh, but it's got holes. If you can throw a good, you know, pitch away from him or a high fastball... He's really got a hole there, so it's uh, it's not perfect, you know. It's not it's not completely rosy with him, but um, I'm not completely down on him, and I'm super stoked that he's a Philly. <laughs> All that said, you know, I'm still super stoked that I we got gotta, a really good player. Gotta go spend the money for him, like the Phillies did. I definitely yeah. was a little bit surprised when the Phillies got him, and I, and again, I think he should be stoked, and I think it's the right choice. But I, I guess, you know, you were hearing, and both of them haven't had that good of a year. But, you know, those were guys that you'd hear in the same sentence as, like, a Mike Trout, you know? Um, and I think more so Harper. He had some he – he's been good, but it was really just one monster, monster year that he had um, that I think he's kind of built a little bit of that Mike Trout. He had a Mike Trout-type year. Um and I think that's kind of what people remember before some of the other ones. He's so streaky, um, but he is the type of player that, and, and he's so young, right? What is he, 25? Yeah, I think he's 26, which for a free agent is super young. Yeah, and you lock him up for a long time. I think it's a it's a great signing, uh, and I wouldn't be down on it at all if I was a real-life Phillies fan. As a, as a fantasy player, I might be a little down on it uh, for drafting him what – what did he go? Top like five? Yeah. Um. Let me see. I'm looking at a draft right here. Uh. This is just one draft, but he went 12th overall. It was a local Philadelphia draft, but he he, he was a top 20. Yeah, he was definitely um in the first two rounds, and a lot of times in that sort of first round and second round swing there. So yeah, you're you're gonna be disappointed with what he's done so far. All right. So who do you want to talk about, Alfield? Uh, so we, since this is the all-star break, we talked a little, uh, James and I talked about our, some of our biggest wins, you know, the guy who we got and we're so super happy about. And then our biggest regrets, one of the, an outfield guy who's one of my regrets is Giancarlo Stanton, other outfielders who have been successful for me. Yasiel Peak has actually really turned it around to end the, um, first half. He got his average up to 252, I believe, and it was down at like 220 for much of the year. CBS, which is what I have pulled up their app, just because it's kind of uh, it's a great app as a plug, um, and I, I'm used to the format. They have him as a top 10 outfielder going forward rest of the season. Wow, that's exciting. Um, for JD Martinez. Wow, that's really bullish. You know, that's really high. Um, I think he's gonna bat 297. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's really bullish. I'm looking at Fantasy Pros. They got him at 23rd for the rest of the season. Seems about right. I could see yeah. him up in the top 15 um, over guys like Austin Meadows. His stock is trending downwards over the past 
month or so. Well, he he right, had yeah. a thumb injury, Funny. and he hasn't really gotten back into form. I think we can segue into, just because we're going to do, we're trying to keep it a little briefer. So why don't I do an outfielder that segues into that kind of, um, uh, we were going to do bargain bin. I guess that's a little out of order, but I'm going to talk about him anyways. Then we might do one more outfielder and go into the, the, the regrets and the successes for kind of buys like you were talking about with Stanton. The uh, the the CVS app. I don't know much about him. I, I just want to get an idea from you if you know. Is very high on uh, on Dominic Smith going forward. Um, so I just wanted to see. Do you know, what do you think about him? What are your thoughts? Do you know much about him? Have you paid attention? He's he's <laughs> he's got a hundred fifty WRC plus. So he's definitely stroking the ball, um, and he's he's doing it from both splits so he is um hitting really well against lefties and that hasn't been the case in his career it hasn't it hasn't been the case in his career that he's hit either side well but he's got a 618 like career ops against lefties so this is in 157 plate appearances we're talking about a guy who um was like a high pedigree prospect but has had two absolute awful years in the pros before this but he's and 24, so let's keep that in mind right so you're talking about his 22nd you know year 22 when he was 22 and 23 yeah. uh yeah so in 183 plate appearances and when he was 22 he had a 198 average and um how many plate appearances 183 so that's um, a amount it's not like he's only getting out there you know every four games yeah uh, last year he had a 224 average with a, a you know 665 675 OPS. This year he he is hitting well, but I am I'm not I'm skeptical. It's 157 plate appearances, and I could see him putting up very league average stats for the rest of the year. You know he will offer some power because everybody does these days. Yeah, but yeah. um I see his average dropping down quite a bit i don't think he's a high average type of guy his career babip is 289 again small sample size his babip this year is 366 oh geez yeah what does that scream <laughs> regression it does yep he is a guy who i think will do better than he's ever done before uh it's not hard to beat what he did those last two years but i I'm surprised that CBS is too confident about him because I think he's still waiver wire fodder. I'm going to throw a quick name at you and then we can move on. Yeah. I love him. Always have loved him. And, uh, and you got to like him now because he's a Philly as of relatively recently. Jay Bruce? My man, Jay Moose Bruce. <laughs> well, you know how Philadelphia people love screaming. The ooh sound, whether it's boo. Every 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 fan loves it. Uh, True. We have Boo Merloni in Boston. If mm-hmm. you go to, uh, to, if you ever listen to the Packers when they had Coon. Yep, yep. Everybody loves that ooh, ooh sound. It's just, yeah, it's just it's just fun. When they signed, when they traded for Bruce the Phillies, I was really excited about it. This is a guy who has like he's um he's got five years in his career with over 30 home runs. He's got 310 home runs in his career. He's got an OPS in his career, like, around 800. The only really bad year he had 
Uh, well, he, he had a few bad years with the Reds, but last year was just miserable. Um, so I was pretty psyched about it. The, sh- the shitty part about it was that Andrew McCutcheon got hurt like a week later. So that sucked for the Phillies, but it was good for Jay Bruce's like fantasy and playing time. Um, I'm really happy. He's got 24 home runs, man. So he is, he's only got a 292 on base percentage, but um, in terms of uh, fantasy, if that's not a stat for you, then he, he can contribute. Not that far out. I'm looking. His three-year average was 315 for OVP. And, you know, we are down with OVP. But, we are. Uh, you know, That's a good I, point. Okay, Bruce, I've had him a couple times, and I just like guys that match. I know, I know it's not the smartest thing, but it's just fun. Uh, but so in I, a way, it's undervalued. Uh, what I mean by that is if you have a 575 slugging, you're contributing, man. Like, you're helping your team. He's got a 122 uh, WRC+. plus. That's a little more real baseball than fantasy. But, I mean, 24 home runs, that plays. 57 RBIs, that plays in fantasy. So, I'm a fan. It's just Phillies need to go on a run or this season's looking like a lost season, which is kind of... Yeah, they sure have. They they had a um, five-game losing streak, and then followed by a couple games, and then like a seven or eight-game losing streak. So it's been rough. Yeah, the Red Sox, I'm a little nervous. It's going to come down to the wire to see who gets that wild-card spot. It's probably out of the AL East, but... Mookie's going to go off, and that's really going to help you guys. Yeah, I think think you're right. I think Mookie... uh, I think that better uh, weather is in store for Mookie Betts' forecast. When people look at his what he did last year, what he's doing this year in terms of hard hit, where he's hitting it, everything seems in line. He's bound, like his ex-Wolva, expected Wolva, is like good. It's not any much different than it was last year. But, you know, it's just a little down. I don't think this is like 2017 when, when he had like a really down year. I think that we're about to see maybe not last year, Mookie, but somewhere in between what he's doing now and last year. You know what's crazy? I'm looking at Mookie right now, and uh, he batted 346 last year. <laughs> yeah, it was an excellent year. Um, you can't expect that because when you're so high, the only place to go is down, right? You're not going to bet 346 again. I see him batting 300 the rest of the way, getting it up there to 280, 290 for the end of the year. Agreed. And, uh, you know, he's not other, but I mean, I guess a large part of his value did come from that 346 average. But, um, you know, he's got 10 steals, so he's likely to steal 20 bags, call it. You know, I think uh, he made 15, 20 bags. He's going to hit more home runs. He's on pace to have a ton of runs, good amount of RBI. So. I think you're right. I think he's going to go for a run and finish up. Maybe not quite where people drafted him, and you know, potentially one or two or three, right? But uh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be up there. Yeah, it'll be interesting where he goes next year. If I have to guess, it's going to go Trout and then Yelich and then Betts, I guess. But it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, we still got half the year to play, and you know, when we look at it now, it seems easy to say Trout. Yelich bets, but things could change. Things could always change. Yeah. Bellinger might be in that conversation, too. I don't think he's going to, but uh, he might. 
It's a good point. Yeah, and I think people will debate Bellinger versus um, Betts as it stands right now. That makes sense. All right, I think we should go into um, – I think we should obviously scrap pitchers, right? You know, do that for its own segment. Yeah, um, we're very – we're a hitting-centric show. <laughs> yep, definitely. We, what if we just never talked about pitching this whole this <laughs> whole like, podcast? Yeah. I think uh, Jimmy Kimmel does this thing where he's, he always apologizes to Matt Damon for yeah. not being able to get him in on the show. Um, yeah. And it's like a running joke. That's going to be us with pitching. We're going to keep promising it to the, the fantasy faithful, and, uh, and we're never going to deliver. Yeah. We're going to be like, we're going to get to those rest of se- seasons starting pitching rankings. There's like a week left in the season. <laughs> Yeah, right. All right, um, so let's go on to our biggest win, our biggest, like, uh, uh, yeah. victory of draft season, or maybe it was a free agent pickup that you were really hyped about, or maybe you just got lucky about. So is there anybody who fits that bill for you? There's a few. So I don't want to talk too much about players we've already talked about, you know? Yeah. So obviously we love Sanchez, and I've not a bargain bin, but I still feel like I got him pretty late. I think I got him in the, the what would equate to the sixth round. I kind of want to talk a little bit about my man, uh, Paul DeYoung. Am I saying it right? Let's go with DeYoung. I think it's DeYoung. So, All-Star, first off. Didn't he play in the All-Star game? If he didn't, I'd be surprised. I'm almost positive he did. Um, so, we'll call him an All-Star. Let's look at the numbers. He's batting 260. He has 55 runs, six stolen bases, and 13 home runs. He has not a lot of RBIs, but this is a guy that people didn't think was going to be a top 12 shortstop this year. And he was an all-star, just to make it official. Yeah, You know I shoot from the hip, but I'm usually pretty accurate. Yep. And this Uh, is a guy who was 170th overall average draft position. Yeah. Yeah, and what a yeah. So I think, and it's not like anything he's doing isn't sustainable. You know what I mean? This isn't a guy that you look at. What's his uh, BABIP? He's got a two ninety one BABIP, and his career. I always like to look at the career because yeah, you gotta compare the two. You gotta compare because player to player, it's different. You could be a high BABIP guy your whole career, and that is part of who you are. So anyway, he's a two ninety one this year, and he's a three oh nine. Career, so he's actually twenty points below his career average. Yeah, yeah, and I think to be honest, I think he might even be better the rest of the way. He's a uh, his past three years, he's batting a little under what he's done the past three years, and I think everybody he was hurt last year, and I think he's going to be a beast the rest of the way. He's he mashes at a, at a position that it's good to mash at. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot be disappointed with um what you got from him. When you got him in like the fifteenth round or whatever, he's he's dropped off a little since that amazing April, but he's still hitting home runs. And I think uh, he picked it up a little bit again too, though. Yeah, I think he's gonna. You know, the weather's getting nicer. I think he's gonna he's gonna play. That's so a good. That's, that's a good call. Glad for bargain bin wise. You know, he was cheap as dirt, and uh, he's playing like a top. I don't know. Let's look what. Uh, let's look at shortstops real quick. While you're looking, uh, when you said he was injured last year, that reminded me of Elvis Andrews, who was a guy who was awesome in 2017. 2018, he got a wrist injury sliding into second on a stolen base, and then he had no power. He didn't do much. And so 
looking at him this year, I was like, oh, you know, was it the injury? And a lot of times those are the guys who are like great value. Those guys who are bouncing back from an injury that they played through, but they weren't 100% themselves. Yeah, exactly. And these are guys, you know, they're not going to be up there with your your stories and Bogarts and stuff, but you get them for cheap and you can put them in there and have them be like a top 10, 15 shortstop. And, you know, that's perfect. Yeah. So, so I, uh, you want to talk about? I thought about a couple guys. Uh, one guy who I really can't take the win on is, uh, and I'm only in three leagues. I'm not like the type of person who's in like a million leagues, but uh, I have Bellinger in two out of three leagues. The reason I'm saying I can't really be like so proud that I got him and he's doing what he's doing is because I was like actively shopping him in both these leagues because they're both keeper leagues. I wasn't able to like make a deal, but uh, I tried to trade him and now he's doing what he's doing so I can just reap the rewards. I'm sure you have a lot of guys in your leagues that are uh, kicking themselves that they didn't accept. A couple of my other wins, just like real quick, uh, Pete Alonzo, I drafted him probably like the 20th round in one league. It was it was actually after it was announced that he was going to start with the big league team. So that was like really good value. And he's got 30 home runs at the break. And he just won the uh, home run derby. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. Even though I kind of would have rather Vlad Dito with the, uh, the 91 dingers. But what can you do? Yeah, it's BS when you can hit 91 dingers and not win. But... Tired himself out, I guess. Everybody will still remember this, you know, legendary home run derby. It was a, I keep going back to like Homer Philadelphia, but there was this one uh, slam dunk competition. Do you remember with Andre Iguodala versus uh, Nate Robinson? I vaguely do. And Iguodala had some of like the most like, some of the best dunks of the slam dunk competition that like you know best in a couple years but they were in like the second and third round and then he got to the final and Nate Robinson was voted the winner but still people will remember this as like Vlad putting on a show so yeah you know I think he totally kind of the opposite where like people remember Vlad and he didn't win and like you said Nate winning and he deserved to win because of how impressive it was for slam dunk contest, which is obviously the most, probably in my mind for our generation, famous slam dunk contest was Vince Carter. But yeah. uh, honestly, the way that he scored the contest at the time and the way, you know, it works, I think, and I'm not saying he deserved to win in real, like, you know, metrics is what Vince Carter did was beyond amazing and better than what Tracy McGrady did. But Tracy McGrady was fucking ridiculous in that slam dunk contest. And the elbow dunk is all flash and no substance, in my opinion. Vince Carter's elbow dunk. Yeah, yeah. Tracy <laughs> did, like, this off-the-backboard, like, off-the-backboard, like, reverse that he put, like, way between his legs um, and, and as a pump. You know, he pumped it between his legs, reverse dunk off the backboard. And it was just absolutely filthy. Um and I was kind of, biz- I didn't get why Vince Carter would be winning that round. But, you know, Vince Carter did that 360 windmill that is probably the coolest dunk I've ever seen. Yeah, that, that was legendary. Talking about the same dunk competition, I guess it just comes down to art versus level of difficulty. And McGrady's might have been tougher, but that elbow dunk was sort of a cultural, you know. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, 
it was a thing for a while. It was pretty awesome. Ion's probably going to do the dunk contest this year and blow everybody's fucking minds. Yeah, that'll be sick. Well, it's pretty cool that Pete Alonso won a million dollars because he's probably getting paid half that for this whole year. So that's actually a pretty awesome reward for him. Yeah, I, true. I mean, obviously, but I'm not sure if that's the case in like uh, in the dunk contest. If it is, then I just don't know. But a guy like Zion there's is no already... Way, there's no way they're paying him that much in the slam dunk contest, I don't think. And besides, Zion's already probably going to get like an $8 million rookie contract per year, so... Yeah. He's he's all right, but uh, rookie baseball players are getting five hundred thousand, which is great for you know a normal person, but it's chump change for a player of his caliber. Yeah, and it stinks that they can like you know the the, NBA, the MLB's got to change some of their uh, the way the players' contracts are structured. You know they they can lock them up for a while, they can keep them down in the minors and pay them nothing for a while. There's some amount of time you got to wait so that you can keep them down there as a uh, as a minor league player without having to pay them as much. That's why teams will do something that's not in the best interest of that season to to avoid having to take on the spending money. And the minor league salaries is a huge issue. You know, totally. pay the players. It would cost a drop in the bucket. You know, to give these guys a, a working salary. I think it's the equivalent of if LeBron James played in the G League for, you know, half a season because they wanted to uh, keep his free agency for another year. You know, it's it really is a disservice to the game, and hopefully they fix it in this next CBA. But it's going to be, there might be a holdout, might be a strike. We'll see. Yeah, the players don't seem particularly happy. Um, should we do, let's do one more each, and so, then uh, how does that sound? Yeah, so do you want to go to regrets? We'll do one each, and then we'll call it a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you go. You want to go first? I'll go first. And I'm only going to briefly spend time on it. And then I'm going to talk about something I'm happy about. My regret is that I drafted DJ uh, LeMayhew. How do you say it? Yeah, LeMayhew, I think. LeMayhew. And, uh, and he's been lighting the world on fire. You know, you could see it in the cards, but I acted on pretty good knowledge and some personal bias against him. But, you know, he's having a year he hasn't had before, and it makes sense that he would with the Yankees, so I get that. But he was playing pretty terrible for a while, and I hate him. I hate his guts. <laughs> so, like, he reminds me of the Yankees of old that I hate, and most of the Yankees now I like. You know, I, I don't mind them. Sanchez would be a guy who we both love, but if I didn't have him on my team, he's kind of got a punchable face. But, like, I like Judge and Stanton and uh, a lot of the other guys – Glavar, they're, they're all pretty, you know, they're, they're hard to dislike, but... Glaver Torres is a handsome man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty good looking. Like yeah. I say, I pick him out of bed for eating crackers. <laughs> but DJ, he, I mean, last year he hit 276 at quarters. If anybody says they predicted this, that he would hit 336, they're lying. Yeah, and hopefully it's not sustainable because I hate the Yankees. Um and then a guy I just briefly touch on who, um, you know, you're going to recognize a mold, right? So we've talked about Joey Gallo, and we talked about Jay Bruce. Yeah, we're talking about guys, see if you can guess who I'm going to say. Not quite, he's, not, he's clearly not waiver wire now, but to start the year he might have went undrafted. He might have went drafted in some leagues, but 
if you're thinking of somebody in that same vein. So you don't even have to think about if he's drafted, undrafted, and how, what his ownership rate is. Just think a younger uh, Joey Gallo, so goddamn young. I assume he's younger, but a youngish Joey Gallo. Who would you think is the first name that comes to your mind? And I'm not going to put you on the spot. So think about it for a second, and then I'll tell you. And it's not Boom Boom Mancini, right? It's not. We're talking. We're, okay. we're talking Joey Gallo in the Joey. Like if you picture Joe, what Joey Gallo does. Okay, I'm going to go with the name. I've heard you talk about this guy, so um, but I'm going to go with Framil Reyes. Yeah, that's who it is. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> He's a beast, man. He's a total beast. And I love him. Uh, yes. He absolutely mashes. And, he, he, you know, we've talked about my philosophy where I'm totally happy giving up a little bit of average and, uh, and having a guy who just absolutely mashes. And, um, you know, I'm debating if he's going to be a, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm debating. I really, really like him. I'm probably not going to keep him. We can only keep five guys. But um, that's an offense that's on the rise. The guy's batting 250 with 25 home runs. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your situation. It depends on we got a lot of year left, obviously. So when the chips fall. And you probably have time during the offseason to sort of look at where his average draft position is and oh, if people no. value him the same way you do, yada, yada. So It's going to be like a Eugenio Suarez where uh, – I would like to keep him, but I'm going to assume that people aren't going to pick him up, and I won't keep him, and then I'll probably pick him up in the, the the you know second round or something, which tosses the seventh round. You know, yeah. who knows? Gonna be. And you but, could even put a little tax on it where you just pick him up a round early just because you like him that much. Exactly. That, yeah, I, I doubt he'd even go in the second round. Right now, they have him as a top hundred and three on CBS. Um, the thing is, he's he's 24, so I'm not even saying like necessarily what he's doing right now. I just think what he's doing right now is going to be not necessarily a, well, obviously a fraction, but not necessarily a small fraction of what he's going to do. But I think he's going to get better is what I'm saying. He only, this is his second year in the league. Last year he batted 280 in the limited at-bats that he had. Yeah. So I think this is a guy that could be like a Chris Davis type. And the thing that I, not that I have Romil Reyes anymore, but the thing that I, um, that made me, me uh, my ears perk up about him was that in August September and the little the little bit of games that were in uh, October last year uh, he absolutely mashed he had a 181 WRC plus in August he had a 136 WRC plus in September and October that was um, 10 home runs and just a crap t- his he probably hit about 315 so he just absolutely came alive in the second half. And you never know if that's going to carry over, but hey, man, if, if if he figures something out, you know? Dude, yeah, I mean, if he figures something out, he, he, right now he's on pace to hit 50 home runs. Now, obviously, home runs aren't quite the same thing as they used to be, but I guess he's probably on pace to hit, what, 45? I always think the All-Star breaks halfway through the season, but it's not. Um, but, you know, he's absolutely mashing. He's 24 yeah. years old. He's a pretty handsome guy. He's kind of chubby. Um, yeah. His nickname is La Mole, which either means the chocolate sauce or literally the mole. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that it's the mole because that is just an excellent nickname. Yeah. Chocolate sauce is probably more likely, um, I would think. 
right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, man. <laughs> but, you know, we love OVP, we love Joey Gallo, and we love nicknames. Yeah, this is true. From Mil Reyes, yeah. When I was saying if he figures something out, I'm talking about, like, off-season, like, trying to figure out. It's clear now that he's figured something out. It's clear now that he is a guy who's a threat to hit 40 home runs. You know this, what his Obviously, bonus? this year and every year. All right, so who do you got? What's your biggest regret? Uh, I'm just going to talk about uh, regret in terms of a maybe a game plan, a concept. And my biggest regret was is closers. Uh, the way that I sort of approach saves. And I, and I know a lot of people are probably feeling the same way because saves are hard, man. Saves are harder than even stolen bases, probably. If you don't properly prepare for saves, or even if you do, <laughs> you could still get screwed. Like, you, if you got Blake Trinan with, like, your, you were probably the first person to pick a closer, and you picked Blake Trinan, uh, he's had a bad year. What does your league do? When, when do you guys start picking closers? My league... It's not like they started picking closers like super early, but when closers started to go, they went really fast, faster than I expected. Because I was looking at ADP, I'm like, oh man, we're going to get Will Smith. Oh, we're going to get, you know, such and such. And then boom, 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 they all go. Um, Go run. Ours takes, we go fast. So obviously we start with a. you know, as I've discussed, it's basically the first five rounds are kind of already done because of the way we have five keepers. But um, Trinan went in the second round in our league. Uh, Asuna went in the third, you know, and then they but Chapman went in the third. But we definitely do the same thing. It's pretty common. Once once a closer goes, Kimbrell went in the fourth. You know, people start to, to really pile them on. Closers... You're right. It's it's a tough thing. The conventional wisdom is that while they're they're, they're so unpredictable that it's kind of dumb to draft too high on them. But you just you got to be so on top of uh, that grid. You know that closer grid. Um, I actually have been able to to catch up a little bit just picking up bums. And, and I've been doing it at the sacrifice of other things, so it might not be a winning strategy, you know. I might be throwing, like, an Ian Kennedy out there who's getting me close, you know, saves, but might not be helping the other, you know, categories uh, in my Roto League. But it's definitely something that you just have to pay attention, you know. Like, you have to be fucking completely on it, checking every morning to check the closer news and – uh and make sure you're the first person. I think some people in our league have an app that tells them when like a closer gets hurt and stuff. There's a website called closermonkey.com that sends emails. Uh, and I don't get my email sent directly to my phone because that would just be too stressful. <laughs> but people obviously do because uh, the email will come in like say 4.37 p.m. And then a guy will get picked up 4.38 p.m. So yeah, it, there's nothing else like it. I don't know if you want to say it's a flaw of fantasy baseball or just part of the appeal. Where would you stand on that? You know, that's a great question. And I think if I wasn't used to saves in Roto, I would say it's a flaw. You mean just the fact that saves is kind of like, well, one, saves is just a dumb concept, right? Uh, Like the idea, you know, it should be you put, you know, everybody says, you know, you should be put in your, best pitcher and in the most important circumstance of the game, be it 
if it's a two one game in the eighth inning and they're you know two three four hitters are up um you should put your closer in uh, in that situation you should put your best pitcher in so i think it's it's kind of a dumb statistic kind of in the same way that you um you should do obp instead of batting average which i i agree with but i don't know i kind of like it i'd rather that than counting wins i don't like those like yeah, I, there's no logic behind it but i don't like i like quality starts over wins you know which which again is kind of counteractive to you know you would say save shouldn't really matter but i kind of like it it's kind of fun anything that makes you have to stay on top of the season and really pay attention um i kind of like yeah it and it definitely does that uh, probably when i'm talking about if if a guy if an email sent 437 and then a guy gets picked up 438 a lot of leagues do stuff where you can only pick up guys either once a day or once a week you know everybody's on waivers either you got to pay fab uh, have you ever played in a league with fab either fancy baseball or fancy football like you get 200 bucks for the whole year and you got to pay money you got a blind auction yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, to be honest, in our league, there's a little bit less. I don't, I don't begrudge them. It's kind of annoying because do you have to pay for closer monkey? You don't actually. All right, well, that's you know, I don't begrudge them. Our league, you know, you don't foresee like those big one, you know, injuries, for example. But generally speaking, like if somebody, if the, if you look at the tea leaves and it looks like somebody might be getting pulled. Our league, we're scooping that guy up before it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I just tell one story about Ian Kennedy before we wrap up? Totally. I think that's the perfect way to wrap up. I, I read an article by Scott Pianowski on Yahoo when Ian Kennedy was 4%, but he was pretty clearly the closer of the Royals. And Pianowski was like, dude, he's 4%. Like, pick him up. And Scott Pianowski is not just a, you know, a fancy baseball guy. He's a guy who, like, wins, like, high-stakes tournaments and places very highly in high-stakes tournaments. So I, w- I uh, was like, oh, I got to pick up Ian Kennedy. But I saw that he was playing the, um, the Red Sox. And he only had three saves on the whole year. And I was like, okay, he's playing the Red Sox. I'm just going to wait a couple of days. And then I'll pick him up, but obviously I just, you know, skipped my mind. Since then, Ian Kennedy's got like 11 saves. He's got like, like amazing stuff. The better closers, but he's probably been a top half of the league closer, I bet, in the past two months, if I had yeah. to guess. He's got 11 saves overall, so actually he's got eight saves since then. And he's been really, like you said, he's just not. He's getting he got, strikeouts, I think. He's not giving it. He, he added a mile or two an hour to his fastball by moving to the closer role and being able to, you know, pitch less. Um, so, like, the numbers make sense, too. You know, there's a story behind them. Yeah. You, know, you question numbers if there's no logic behind it. But, you know, he's, he's throwing faster, which is the number one metric you look at. Yeah. And little things like Ned Yost is, like, a traditional manager. And you know that he just loves, like, a closer, and he turned Wade Davis from a starter to a closer. If you, it's kind of cool. It's part of, like you were saying, the tea leaves part of uh, fantasy. But the funny part about it was I was like, man, this Scott Pianowski guy, he's smart. I'm going to check on Twitter um, and follow him. So I go to Scott Pianowski's Twitter, and I go to follow him, and it says, you're not allowed to follow him. You're blocked. <laughs> Scott Pianowski. I'm like, 
what like jamie you james you know i'm like this even keel guy most of the time i don't like go and you know piss off quasi celebrities so i i I went and searched back a couple of years ago uh I could see you going off, though, if you said something you didn't like when you had a couple of drinks in you. It was definitely us. So, yes. <laughs> so, like, like, insulted a player you like or something, and you reacted, uh, you know, sensibly. So, I go and I go, like, incognito on the, the Google Chrome browser, because I'm not allowed to search myself, because <laughs> he's blocked me. And I go and I find out when me, Mickey Bell, did something to him that caused me to get blocked by him. And um, it was like 2013 or 2014. And he put in like this innocuous tweet that said, there's nothing like not checking your emails for a whole day. And I just went, go fuck yourself to him. (laughs) And if you see the timestamp, it was like 1 a.m. And I was probably just joking. Or like you said, I was pissed off for some reason. (laughs) But um. Boom. That's why he blocked me. So, hey, faithful, you down with OBP. Wait, wait, wait. I got to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. It's not nearly as uh, aggressive, but it's funny that you mentioned uh, getting blocked because you told him to go fuck yourself. Um, And you mentioned Ned Yost. I'm probably going to get it wrong, but Ned Yost used to, can you look it up? Ned Yost used to be a third base coach, I'm pretty sure. And if I had to guess, I'd say he was the third base coach of the Indians. He was a coach for the Braves. And they don't say what kind of coach. Oh, he was the third base coach. There it is. Until, yeah. Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves, I always mix up too. So I was close. So he was the third base coach of the Atlanta Braves. Oh, they're red and blue, and they're both about Native Americans. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, so he was the third base coach of uh, of the Atlanta Braves in what year? <laughs> 2002. So it was 2002. I was the sweet old age of 16. <laughs> um, drunk at a Red Sox game with my buddy Joe. And we were along the third baseline. We were probably at my, my dad's seats. He got a, once a year, he got third base seats from the Boston Globe because he ran an ad in the Boston Globe. Uh, and they were excellent seats. And the third base side in Fenway is the visitors' dugout. Not that it would matter, I guess, because the third base coach is going to be on the same side regardless. But he has to run back into the dugout from third base towards me and Joe. And we were busting his chops all game in a pretty like, like actually like for being drunk in sixteen, like a fairly like fun way. Like we weren't like giving him too hard of a time. But we made like a makeshift sign that said Yost is toast. And <laughs> and we were just being dumb and busting his chops. And uh, he took it like a champ and at the end of like at the end of one of the innings and he had to run in and we were shouting at him. He like gave us like the eye contact and locked eyes and tossed us one of the uh, the balls that he he had, you know, one of the balls from the game or whatever. And uh, like gave us like a thumbs up and like a friendly gesture. And we both like high fived, and it was a good time. Oh wow! Yeah. So that had a happy ending. I thought you were gonna get kicked out of the game or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> the day. Oh man. So, all right, should we wrap up? Yeah, I think so. I think that was good. Yeah, that was great. Um, so I was ready to say, folks, you know, you down with OVP, faithful, get me unblocked. 
by Scott Pianowski Ooh. and get get Ned Yost get James off Ned Yost restraining order. But I don't have to say that second part. Yeah, it's more like uh, tell Ned Yost to uh, to back off and quit emailing me. What is it? DMing? Quit DMing. Yeah. <laughs> quit. He was a third base coach. It's like quit trying to slide into my third base of DMs. Yeah, Ned seriously. <laughs> All right, so on that note, we will wrap up the second episode. I do want to mention that we got a website up. It's youdownwithobp.com. I wrote one article. Go check it out. Um, And hopefully I get more articles up. And James, if you ever feel down to write something, feel free. Yeah, Uh, I'm definitely going to throw something up. Maybe I'll have my brother do it too. He'd get a kick out of that. Totally. So thanks for listening to everybody, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Sounds good. Later, guys. Mm -hmm.